0: Y'all yesterday I was in Texas taking a group of people through our content that we do over and over and over again and I love it Uh, and so it's such a wild thing to have two different experiences of the tried and true of what we do so often yesterday and what today is about which is this new edge content that we're doing Um, and to have you here and, and I do have to say that I was raised in East Tennessee so, being back in Texas yesterday and in the South, while I was talking, there were a number of times that y'all came out. And so I can't promise that some of that southern draw might not return a little bit today, as I'm still uh, you know withdrawing from the Texas vibe and the wonderful barbecue that I had. Um, but but being raised in East Tennessee for like ten years, there was a time period where my parents had a garden. Now, I was super young I don't remember this my dad tells me this story that at one point we were out there and uh, again don't even know how old I was three or four and I asked my dad this can we plant a row of t-bones there was something about me that loved uh, a bite of t-bone steak at a young age and I remember that and in my mind this would be the best thing that we could do, would be to have a row of those. So I'm not gonna pretend like I know a lot about gardening today, but I do want you to imagine as we step to part two of this journey that we're taking on what it means to lead yourself, is to think a little bit about the opportunities that you've been given, your mindset, who you are as a person, like a garden to be nurtured. There's no blank slate to the reality of who you are, that you are a combination of nature and nurture, and every time that they try to pull these apart and figure out which one is a greater impactor of who you are. Over and over again, they come back to this idea that it is both. In fact, it's just a matter of time before sociological studies very often get debunked. Three of the top five in the last 20 years that tons of business leadership books have been written about have been debunked. There was a flaw in them because you really can't, impact lasting change through behavioral modification, you're already working with some raw material at the nature and nurture level. So here's what I want you to do is to think about this, your leadership opportunities, your life, your growth and development as a person, like you've been given a garden. We're just gonna pretend like it's like a grove of apple trees, if you will. So you've been given this grove of apple trees and we're gonna walk through a process that is going to help us start to understand how to cooperate with the momentum we've already been given. You've already been given a certain kind of soil based on the experiences that you've had, good and bad. You've already been given certain weather conditions, good and bad. I was in Austin and I was like, yes, it's gonna be sunny. It was cold and cloudy the whole time I was there. These weather conditions, you know, February in Ohio, it starts to wear on people. You hear it, what they're saying, what they're feeling. But you've been given a certain amount of weather conditions. You've been given a certain amount of experiences and relationships, and all of these things have have shaped you and who you are. And what we wanna do is talk about how to cooperate with and nurture the momentum of what you already have, your soil, your experiences, what you've been through. So the first thing that we gotta understand is, and over and over, if we don't get this, we'll miss the way change starts. We have to tend the root. We have to tend the root. We have to pay attention to what's the foundational systems. Now, to get you to understand this, I wanna draw something up here for you. And as I draw this up here, I want you to think about what it's like in your interactions with others. That so often we are in exchanges where we want someone to think something of us. That's just the real and raw reality. All of us. I mean, I know what it feels like yesterday to show up and deliver content. Tears coming down people's face. I mean, we rocked that room. People were impacted. I wasn't there to impress them. I was there to impact them. But I know that journey. Today is a completely different emotion. It's a complete, because it's, It's the new stuff, it's at the edge. So even doing my mindset work for this morning, I want you to think I'm good at what I do. I want you to think this content's amazing. If I'm not aware that that's what's happening, that can shape, that can malform some of my behavior and how I show up, and I could do too much of something, I could try too hard with something, or I could not try enough or not risk enough. So over and over and over, it's like this merry-go-round in our mind that we just wanted to get you to pay attention to in our last session. So at the end of the last session, I said, I want you to think about your emotions and your thoughts like you're viewing them through a windshield. I can't really help you transform yourself and help you learn how to navigate your life and lead yourself the best you can, unless first I help you become an observer Of your thoughts and emotions now most people most people are unaware how defined they are by those things at the root level that they want people to think of them some people are stuffing it down and denying it and just pushing through where we ended last time was we just want to discover. We want to discover the thoughts and feelings. How? By stepping back, being the observer, and viewing our thoughts and feelings like we're a driver and all of these things are happening on a windshield. And so if you think about the windshield, you could think about it like you've got all of these thoughts and feelings and emotions, and I'm just going to cover in some of them like they're bad. I'm not saying they're bad. Let me explain. Uh, You have an amazing exchange with a coworker or a teammate and you feel good about that relationship. And then you have another exchange with a coworker or a teammate or maybe even a supervisor or a boss and you wonder where you stand. So in the course of 20 minutes, right, you feel good here and then you feel bad here. All of our lives, you know, shift so fast. My wife and I can have a great exchange. We'll have a date tonight, right? Maybe that date will go great. They usually do. Sometimes they go off track. This is real life, 20 years of marriage. Let's say we have a great date, and you know, I wake up tomorrow morning, and I'm like, "Hmm, my wife and I are vibing. This is good. This is good, right? Hey, honey, I was thinking about what you said last night. (laughs) Now I've got a completely different emotion. And so what happens for those of us that are aware and observing, we don't wanna be defined by these multiple thoughts and emotions. We also don't wanna deny them. We're just discovering them. How by stepping back and going, okay, this windshield is complex and I don't have to identify with 100% of any of these. Yet this is the trap mentally from a mindset standpoint that people are falling into all the time. They're picking one really positive moment or experience, one negative positive moment or experience, and then the thought or feeling they have from that, they're really not aware, they're just committing to that one thing 100% rather than recognizing, I'm always having a totality of experiences. Now, I might choose willingly. You know, I haven't seen my kids for a few days traveling. I'll see them tonight. I might have a really great exchange with one of them and step into that emotion and feeling and let that be 100% of my experience because I choose to. And I see them for the first time. And it's a beautiful experience. Can I pick on you, Paul, a little bit? So yes, uh, I was over in the coffee shop. So Paul, he works with a company we work with in Orlando and he lives in Cincinnati. And so uh, I had seen a few weeks ago where he had bought a ticket or I saw you in Orlando a couple weeks ago. That's when you told me I was down there with their company. So I'm over there working uh, at Roosevelt and just getting some things polished up for today. And he walks in. Well, that was this feeling Like he took the journey with Sight Shift four or five years ago. He's seen so much of the evolution just to live in that feeling. It felt so good, right? And so what most people aren't doing is they're not paying attention to. We are more than our thoughts and feelings. So we just step back to construct this windshield to observe, oh my gosh, I'm trying so much to make sure people think something certain of me. And so I'm coming in too hard on moments or I'm coming backed off too much. Why do we do that? The easiest way to describe it, it's the word shame. Guilt when you feel bad about what you've done, shame when you feel bad about who you are. We all feel shame at some level, all of us. We're, we're never fully arrived on the path where we have no shame. It's as simple as opening up Instagram and seeing somebody's life and going, how are they so much farther ahead than me? It's opening up a business magazine and going, how come Columbus has given them all this love when we've been doing this for 20 years? It could be personal choices. Some of you may have some financial journey when we went through what we went through, we had six figures of debt. It was like, I either have to give control of our finances over, this was 12 years ago, some of you know the story. I have to declare bankruptcy. Both of those have shame associated with them, or I can just play the game back better. They're big companies, they don't care about me, I'm a number. That's what we did. And if I would have let shame drive me, I wouldn't have made the most effective actions. We have have no idea how much we are shaped by cultural traditions and pressures. I mean, in America, we, we bias for extroversion and we bias for activity. That's great. I love being in America. But that could cause you to not know yourself. And this is what's happening when you tend the root. You start to dig down into the soil and start to figure out, what's really me? I want you to think this of me. Why? Because I feel bad about who I am. I feel bad about my career hasn't gone fast enough. I feel bad about this relationship isn't where I want it to be. I feel bad about how these choices haven't put me where I'd like to be. All of that is this merry-go-round that is so noisy and loud. And all of this feels jumbled up rather than what you can have happen. You could come up to me and afterward and say, tell me about your windshield right now. I would list out 17 things. Here's where I feel like I'm winning. Here's where I feel like I'm losing. Here's where I feel like I'm stuck. Here's where I feel like I'm inspired. I could roll through all of those and parse that out. Why? Because I'm stepping back as the driver and looking at all this. I'm tending the route. If there's a root to be tended and we can tend it, we can move to the second step. And this is where we're gonna get really street level for you today. We've got to prune the shoot. This is the hard part about your grove of apple trees. You work on the important stuff, the root. Now you've got to prune the shoot. You're cutting away things that aren't necessarily glaringly obvious and harmful. To what? Improve the impact. I told you last time that we were gonna go on a journey through this nine part series. I wanna help you move and make this transition. Beginner leaders seek out validation. Beginner leaders seek out validation. Think this of me, think this of me, think this of me. Pro level leaders, They seek optimum conditions to perform. Master level leaders work with whatever they have. And our goal through this series is to help you become a master level leader. What does that mean? That means we need to get you aware of the ways that you seek validation. Think this of me, think this of me. And not be content to just get to this place where you build optimal conditions to perform, but actually get to this point, you're a master level leader. This isn't an arrogant statement. Put me on any team or connected to anybody in your organization and I will help them get growing or they will need to be moved out. Doesn't matter what the material is. I'll just work with what's there. And you're gonna be in that same place, how? Because you're gonna learn to prune the shoot. Now here's how we're gonna prune the shoot. We're gonna navigate three tensions. To navigate these three tensions, I'm gonna explain a concept to you that I have never fleshed out in a very thorough way, but I've talked about a ton and and even talking about it over a decade, it's been in some of the books, but I have not up to this point done what I'm gonna do for you today, it's the first time we've done this, and really put some teeth to a concept that we call proving and hiding. So if you'll tend the root and understand there's a you at the center point more than the things you're trying to get people to think of you. The way to recognize the shoot that needs to be pruned is anytime you're showing up too big or too small. Anytime you're showing up too big or too small, you're proving or hiding. What does proving or hiding look like? It's when you're in a meeting and somebody gets asked about some numbers. And rather than just being honest and saying, you know what, I don't have those done yet. Or, I don't know. They just move the subject matter over a degree like nobody notices and starts talking a lot about another topic rather than admit those two things. Because they're proving. I was talking about this concept at a high level years ago and this guy was in the room, executive, he goes, I don't struggle with that. And I was like, dude, you are like the first human ever we've met that doesn't. So please come, because I got a lot of learning to do. So afterward, we had this break, and I just happened to walk by, and he's leaned over to one of the other chiefs. It was a C-suite room, and he's like a child flipping through photos on his phone, and I hear him bragging about, the people that came over to his apartment that weekend for a party. It was so obvious he had to prove. Look who my friends are. But I don't struggle with this. (laughs) (laughs) And so what I wanna do for a little bit is just unpack a tension for you to help you understand what it might look like when proving and hiding show up. Three tensions. Take what this moment can give me versus letting it play out. The first little tension I want to navigate for you is when somebody is trying to take what a moment can give them versus letting it play out. First time I ever showed up to my, uh, my wife's family, I was meeting them for the first time, She's from Columbus, so I'm driving up here. Her dad, this is the first time I've met him. I'm like 21 years old. Hey, do you want to grill the chicken for dinner? Now, I've got two choices here. I've never grilled before at this point. Uh, you you know I would, but I hurt my wrist reading earlier. I was in school. <laughs> Hide. I, I, I'll let you guess which one you think I may drift towards. You drift towards one, I drift towards one. We all do. I was like, yeah, I'll do that. i got to show him. Because cooking this chicken is equal to showing you I can care for your daughter. (laughs) A whole life of love and relationship and finances and walking through the crap and the struggles is clearly equal to getting this at 160, 165 degrees for the next little bit of time. I have no freaking clue what I'm doing. And they wanted barbecue. So all I remember is standing in front of that grill, I flipped like every three seconds. I can't imagine what he thought. I know what I would think. Well, my issues and control issues, I'd be standing at the deck window going like, talking to my wife going, he's gonna totally dry that out. (laughs) It's gonna be terrible. I don't even remember what it tastes like. I know it had to be so dry and chewy because I just kept standing there and like every three seconds, no awareness about what it means to let that stuff sit and flip, get those pretty grill marks like I can now. I didn't know how to let a moment play out. I just had to take what that moment can give me. And, and, and there's an immaturity in leadership that sometimes looks powerful when people try to take control of something and take what a moment can give them. The smooth leader, the aware leader, who's pruning the chute, who's paying attention to their behavior, starts to go, hey, what if I let this play out? Not everything is a hill worth dying on. When I was a young leader at 22, if I saw just a little bit of a lump in the ground, I was like, that's a hill, I'll die on it, let's die, let's die. Now I know, 20 years later, I need to let that hill get a little bit bigger before it's worth my energy. So what am I gonna do? I'm gonna take what this moment can give me, or am I gonna let it play out? That is when you've got something to prove. And so you can't just change that behavior, you're gonna change the mindset, we're gonna walk through that, I just need you to just recognize it, so we can prune the shoe. The second one. I'm gonna call this testing life versus enduring the mission. Testing life versus enduring the mission. When we moved to Columbus, Ohio, it was 2007, I was a third owner of a real estate corporation that had just a massive failure all this drama and we had a house we were trying to sell and I knew we needed to get here to get my wife near her family And and I did one of these really smart things you do when you're desperate and the market was terrible and we had to sell this house I just shut our life down until we could sell the house and that's when you do these stupid things like well if we're supposed to move to Columbus the house will sell right Everybody does this. Everybody does this at some point when they feel a little desperate. They try to test life. And they throw this thing out there. And they're like, well, if this is supposed to happen, then this will happen. And I remember, I, I think my wife thought I was going to go crazy. I, was just, I just sat there, like waiting. Yeah, we had a realtor. Yeah, I was doing what I could. I was like, no, no, this house has to sell. I will will this house to sell. In 2007, that house didn't sell. And it reached a point where I was like, we just, we got to move. And we had to let the house go. And I'd never even paid a bill late. I remember I was walking into a movie with the kids at Easton and we had a short sale that was going to get worked out. I'm walking in and they call and i like, will you approve that? I'm like, yeah. Ended up that falling through. The whole thing was such a mess at the time. And that's how you know when you're hiding. You're not accepting reality. You're not taking necessary action. You're hiding from it. And and we see people when we work with them do this all the time. Most leaders, executives, managers, and directors tend to be provers. The rest of the workforce tends to be hiders. Now, not only is is that something we've noticed, we've actually actually seen that in print a couple years ago, Robert Keegan put out a book. He was like, everybody's getting paid for a job that doesn't actually contribute to the bottom line. They're hiding. I promise you, if you're a person who wants to grow, and you might be a little bit more of a prover, a lot of the people that you work for are sitting in the meeting going, if he looks at me and asks, then I'll say it. If she asks what I think, then I'll speak up. What are they doing? They're testing life versus taking effective action. So that's a really clear definition on hiding. Third, and this is a little bit of a similar wording to what I was talking about with the root, Think this of me versus what you need. So it was uh, 2006, somewhere around there. I am uh, at Chick-fil-A with my now 15-year-old daughter. She's three. This, for me, is a classic story of insight. So a couple of you may have heard it, but I haven't told it in a few years other than in uh, a print other than in print. But we're sitting there at Chick-fil-A and the thing that I did not put in the book when I told this story is that I was going through a season at that moment where I was really pissed off at my dad. We had an extremely intense falling out. Me, him, my mom, my wife. Messy, dramatic, gross. I don't even have to go through all the details. In fact, it was just a couple years ago where things kind of got back on track. And it was actually listening to a Terry Crews podcast where he talked about trouble with his dad, but he came to this awareness that, hey, dad, you made me me and I like being me and I am thankful for you. And if I could choose anyone to be my dad, I'd choose you. I still remember where I was driving when I heard that and I heard it. And I messaged them and, and it's great now, but at the time I was just so mad because he kept trying to make me think something about him. He would keep proving. he say, well, I did this for you, I did this for you, I did this for you. And I'm like, yeah, but this is off the rails now. I was mad at him. I was like, how can he be like this? Why can't he, he rise above that and be better? And in many ways, he's a great man. But you focus on the hurt you're feeling. So I'm sitting at Chick-fil-A with my three-year-old, and and I became aware of the windshield for the first time. This was the first time I became aware of the windshield. This was it. I didn't know how to express it that way as an analogy, but I'm sitting there and and I became the observer and I backed out and could see the windshield and the thoughts and the feelings. And here were some of the thoughts that I was seeing in my mind when that happened. Hey, little three-year-old, don't you have a great dad who took off work? to take you to lunch? Hey, little three-year-old, how can we make this moment about me so I can feel good? Hey, little three-year-old, how can I take this moment and remind you of what a great dad I am? Now, that would have been cartoonish for that to come out of my mouth, but for me to see the real root of the issue And then, rather than saying something out loud to make it about me, I remember this switch that happened sitting there. Hey, it's your birthday. I'm so glad to be with you. What do you want to do after this? That sounds little to you. It was huge for me. I went from, and you can laugh at this with me, hey, little three-year-old, Are you strong enough to hold up the existential need of my identity? (laughs) Do you have that kind of strength psychologically? Because that's the journey we're going to go on. Or what if I can prune the shoot and not have to prove here? You can recognize proving it starts in your body you'll feel it coming up through your ankles through your legs and you're to power up and take over you can recognize hiding you start to diminish you start to withdraw you start to go in Now we're gonna do some more on this but I, I got to tell you the result of what will happen because I want to make sure that you get how far we're gonna go in the seven pieces after this today and to do that I'm going to show you a spectrum, and to show you this spectrum, I am going to help you recognize the fruit of what it looks like to not prove or hide, because because I want to stir up some salivation on this. I want to get you hungry for this, because if you'll tend the root and you'll prune the shoot, you are going to mend the fruit. This is what's gonna happen. We sit with companies all the time. I was with a company, this is being recorded, so I'm filtering that now as I talk, uh, somewhere. And it was a a father-son thing. And there's an in-between person. And the father is like, the son doesn't get this. And the son is like, the father doesn't get this. And there's a guy in between them, who's father's friend, this is, This is a substantially sized business, you know, (laughs) tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars. They've put money into this. The, the, The middle guy, the right hand guy to the dad goes, hey, I'm the middle man making all this work. I got this. We're on a three year plan. Our succession plan is going to be awesome. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, have you not seen the movie Inception? Christopher Nolan is going to pick popular memes. He picked a meme that everybody gets because it's so universal. Dad is gonna hand off to son, person in the middle, the right-hand guy's gonna mediate, but dad is really never gonna let go. And so I'm like, you know what, here's the thing, your three-year plan, it sounds great, but we see this in companies all the time, it will go off the track the last mile, you know why? Because dad will go on vacation and come back refreshed with a new idea. Or his wife will walk in and see that the reception area was changed, and it wasn't what she did, it's new colors, and she goes home and goes, you know what the problem is? You're two lakhs a days ago. You need to fire that person. And companies come in and they sit down with us and they're like, we gotta fix the fruit. We need to be more focused in our mission. We need to go from 20 to 40 million. We need to open up new markets. We need to work at a successful and effective succession plan. We've got some co-founder partner issues that we've got to navigate. We're not getting along. Fix the fruit, Chris. Psh, waste of time. Is that how it works? But if you will tend the root and prune the shoot, here's what it looks like. So I'll just put proving up here, and you're frustrated and you're powerless. Hiding is also a sense of frustration. And being powerless. If I go home tonight, I see my kids for the first time, and two of them are arguing in the hallway, hey, I'm home. Didn't you miss me? I got expectations. We talked about leaving our expectations. Make make the moment about me. Hey, wife, I've been gone. You miss me? Make the moment about me. Or if I, if I see them arguing and I'm like, Oh, they're arguing. I'm going to the bedroom. I'm not going to tell them I'm here. (laughs) I'm guilty of both of these. There's something right now at work or in your leadership that you're tolerating or avoiding, and it is the limit and it is the lid to your leadership and your company. That's the quickest way you can figure out whatever the lid or the limit is to your leadership, whatever you're tolerating or avoiding, where you're hiding. But it can also be a place where you're trying to control too much, you're proving. And both of these leave you exhausted because you're trying to fix the fruit. You say, what hope is there? How can we not feel frustrated navigating these three tensions? You only have one job. You're cooperating. Put me in a a, a team that you have, a situation you're facing, A leadership issue you're facing and we're gonna root out any hiding and any proving and the powerlessness that they make us feel by just cooperating with what's there That, that place you're trying to avoid that's the invitation where the growth occurs that conversation you don't want to have that's the invitation where the growth occurs that employee That you've told yourself if they'll just get this we can keep them but you know deep down they just do enough to keep you bought in another day your only responsibility is to cooperate what's it mean to cooperate you're tending the root you're pruning the shoot as you do that the fruit mends itself you learn to live in a space where you bringing the overflow of who you are isn't held back in fear. This whole process is summed up from a book called Dune by Frank Herbert. Totally nerd out over that book, it's amazing. I will stare fear in the face until only I remain. And that's where we're gonna be going these next seven sessions. And we're gonna get there by navigating those three tensions and we started that journey by building an emotional windshield. Here's today's and I'm gonna be done. I want you to construct an antenna. I want you to construct an antenna. That antenna has one job, to notice where you have proving or hiding. That's it. So you're driving your car, you're noticing your thoughts and feelings. I want you to imagine you just reach out like old school 80s movies where you put the siren on top of the thing you're reaching out and you're putting an antenna on top of this car and this car has this antenna and it's tall and it has one job to alert you when you're trying to take what a moment can give you rather than letting it play out when you're testing life versus accepting reality and taking effective action and when you're trying to get people to think something of you rather than give them what they need. Those are your three specific markers for proving and hiding, and we're gonna construct that antenna, and between now and next month, when that antenna beeps, hey, you were proving, you were hiding. Oh, okay, Chris, I get this. And after I do that, I beat the crap out of myself? No. Because here's the cool part. Just like I told you last time, your ego isn't a lower self that you beat up. All of your proving and hiding got you here. And I mean this. That's awesome. It got you here. That's a gift. It's just not gonna get you there. And the next stage of growth is gonna be what it means for you to navigate these three tensions.